What up, podcast? Thank you for listening in today. Uh, on today's podcast, what I have done is taken an excerpt from uh, the Elliot Ask Show, where I was meeting with Joe Mills, uh, industry expert, session stylist, owns a few shops in Soho, has now started opening up the Mills brand within Primark, and uh, a mentor of mine, to be honest. I've, I've, I've loved Joe, getting to know him. He's uh, just, I tell you what, there's not many people in the world or not many times I've ever used the word cool, but he's actually someone that I would I would use the word cool on. He's uh, yeah, just just a great guy actually. So sit back, enjoy this episode today. Some great insights. There you go. Joe, thank you for joining us today. It's much appreciated. Obviously, you are Soho legend, hair world legend. Thank you for joining us today. Give us a little brief background about yourself. My name's Joe Mills. Uh, I'm a Hairstylist, barber, however you want to describe it. I've been um, I've been in the industry uh, 35 years now, uh, and still love every day. Um, I've got three different brands that I own. One is called Mills. Uh, one is called Joe and Co. One is called The Lounge. They're all very, very different. Uh, I started off um, in Margate, where I was born and bred. Uh, learned my trade down there and then when I was sort of 19, 20 ran off to London with my girlfriend at the time and uh, was fortunate enough to land it, it, in Soho eventually at, uh, at Fish on Darbley Street and that's where I kind of cut my teeth and kind of got to understand what I'm doing and where I want to go so that's kind of it Nice, nice Okay, so obviously you do a lot of session work you do a lot of stuff with celebrities and some sort of fashion work Yep. You're working in those sort of environments. What's your go-to product when you're working with those guys? Um, from a hair perspective, there's a couple of things I have in my bag for every, for everything, and one of them is always a really good sea salt spray, and one of them is always really a really good matte paste. Um, they're my kind of. I've always I've always gotten. They're just something I've always used. Something that just just works with pretty much any hair type if you use it in the right way. Yeah, something you stuck stuck with me when you when I assisted you was that yeah. you said about trying to build up the products and as opposed to loading it in at the start. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, what's if you're using products that are basically water-based or are water-soluble, you can reload. So you can almost you can literally wet the hair down with sea salt spray, blow dry it in wet it back down again with sea salt spray and blow dry it back in again and load it up. Hair will take a hell of a lot of product if you load it in the right way. You know, with wax or cream or paste-based products, if they have got, depending on what their core structure is, that you tend to get an overload of that. So you have to be more mindful. It's more the wet products that you can dry into the hair that you can just keep playing with and just building up and building up and building up. So yeah, and that's a really good way. You know, I've got a lot of clients who've got particularly fine hair or something like that. And you know, we talk about you know, bang some sea salt spray in it when you get out of the shower, get ready, get yourself together, then put some more in before you start to dry it and style it because the first round would have already dried into the hair. So yeah, and then that really pushes the, 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 the literally pumps the hair out and makes you know fine hair feel like you've actually got a lot more hair going on. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that because that then gives it yeah the body just building it and building it with that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, I think guys, it's a bit different. You know, we've kind of fallen into, you know, 
understanding about groom, uh, you know grooming products or hair products as you get older or through your mates and you know now obviously you know there's loads of online tutorial stuff you do there's all the you know GQ and everyone do it as well there's a real mix of information out there but we've kind of guys kind of fell into it same with understanding how to look after their skin or you know all of that kind of stuff this is not you know a lot of I remember you know even my sister and a lot of a lot of the younger younger women I've got who work with me and stuff like that they started playing around with this stuff way before we were even aware of it so we've kind of come into it later down the line and then all of a sudden we're trying to play catch up so understanding what products can do for your hair and how it works you know for me that's the that as a, as a as a stylist or a barber or however you want to describe yourself i think from the from an industry perspective we owe that to our clients to really give them that information because it's not just you know the haircut's the haircut you know the you know but you know my client needs to do it when they get home yeah i think that's one weakness that i think i've probably haven't had since getting hair that i I said, because I felt like I didn't catch up trying to learn how to do hair, I still then haven't learned how, how to, or how a product reacts with other products and how that then goes together. And that's something that I think just gentlemen in general don't really know, isn't it? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've tried to do more of this. <laughs> I think as an industry, and you talk about the you know the the, the grooming market and, and and educating specifically guys into to what to use on the hair and skin. I think I think the I think the I think us barbers and hairdressers and stylists have a role to play in that because a lot of us think about is about the cut, how great my cut is, and look how great I styled it, and the client looks great walking out the door. But we're not we're not giving them the maintenance pack to go with that. And because either we don't think they want to spend the money on the products or they're interested or we don't, we don't feel confident with the products we're, represent, we're, we're, we're trying to sell or advise or re recommend or however you want to, you know, and also as well that within the industry from hairdressing and barbering, we also get caught up on a whole, you know, we're not here to sell products, we're not here as a salesman, we're here just to cut hair really well. And that's, and we're doing our client a disservice. We should really be focusing on the 360 degree, what we're talking to our client about. We're not talking to them about how great the, the football team we support is or the club we went to or the music we're listening to. We should talk about them and their hair and how they're managing it, are they coping with it? What are they trying to achieve? So that's, I think we need to, as, from an industry perspective, we need to refocus how we, advise our clients and then the client gets more out of it you know as a customer you get more out of it you know I if I go out for dinner I want to know you know where my food's coming from how it's been cooked you know you you know if it's you know if you if you want to go for something you know people want the information yeah it's the whole story that goes yeah people want information you know whether you like it or not the reason people just scroll through Instagram scroll through websites and stuff like that they're absorbing whether it's visual information or, or digital some form of digital information you know, there's a massive thing I think that all humans have that they want to know more. Yeah. So we just need to fulfill that. Definitely, definitely. So obviously with a lot of session work you do, you do a lot of skin work now yeah, with man. a lot of the guys. Yeah. Obviously it's going to be different from person to person, but is there sort of uh, a few different products or tip for applying that you would recommend? I think... I think having a great skin, having understanding your skin and understanding the skincare is super, super key. You know, I think that gone are the days where you get in the shower and you have a shower gel that you wash your body, hair, face with, that's done. You know, you really need to get something really, really, really good for your skin. I, 
I recommend that you get invest in a really decent uh, face scrub and face cleanser. Um, you know, I work a lot with Baxter's and I work a lot with Dermalogica, so I use I use a mixture of different brands. I'm not associated to one. You need to find one for whatever your skin type is. If you go into any decent store like a Space NK or a, um, a department store, there's plenty of plenty of people there that can advise you on what your skin type is and what you need. I recommend you use that just to get your skin clean. You need to hydrate your skin. You need to get a really decent moisturizer with an SPF in it. You know, the amount of just general wear and tear your skin takes, you know, the, the, to start with those two things, that's, that's the base. If you want to add more to it, you know, there's loads of really great products out there. You know, I've, as I've got older, you know, I have to be more mindful of my skin, you know, skin under my eyes, stuff like that. So, you know, I use like an eye firming cream, Dermalogica do, Baxter's do one, you know, hydrate my lips. You know, it's, I think the key to all of it is just hydrating your skin. You know, there are other things, you know, there's um, uh, Clinique do an amazing uh, bronzer. So it looks, <laughs> in all intents and purposes, like a fake tan. But if you take, if you take it and you put um, a tiny dot into your moisturizer, it just gives your skin a glow like you've been in the sun for a couple of days without it looking bad. There's loads of different tricks and tr tricks you can use, but fundamentally, cleanse your skin, hydrate your skin, and it'll look way better than not bothering. Yeah, definitely. So then with, obviously now, it being a lot more acceptable and the products for men being yeah. a lot more, yeah. do you see, in inverted commas, the male makeup becoming bigger, or do you see that still being taboo for, for a little while with that? Interesting question. I did some work for a big brand about seven or eight years ago where they were launching a male makeup brand specifically and I thought it was interesting but I couldn't get my head around it at the time and I, I did some work with it I don't know whether look how guys see themselves and you know I've got a 10 year old son and even how already he's body conscious I think there's I, you know I, 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 I'm not going to say no it's never going to happen I think it's generational I think I'm in my 50s, or I'm 50. I think there's, I think that for, for a lot of guys, you know, 35, 40, 50 might be a step too far. I think the younger generation's coming through. I don't think people are actually that, that bothered about, you know, you know, this is for men, this is for women. You know, there's all this, you know, there's a lot of talk about how, how things shouldn't have labels and I think that that is far more likely that you'll get more of a crossover on lots of different levels you know whether it's you know whether it's um, how people dress or style their hair or where they get their hair cut or what products they use on their hair and skin I don't think you can categorize it as men versus versus women but I do feel that there's a more of an appetite of what happens if I use that? How does that work? You know, I know loads of guys that have had, you know, that talk openly about hair transplants, that talk openly about having, you know, um, Botox, talk about, you know, all sorts of different things where five years ago, you wouldn't even talk about it. It just would not be done. So I do think that there is a really confident shift. How far that goes and how wide reaching it goes, I'm not sure. Mm, it, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, I think it's positive that there's now a conversation about it because obviously I think there is 
there's, there's a lot of people do want to talk about it, but it's now they're discussing it as a camouflage of their brand and as, aren't they? But like you said, in terms of it being for men and women, I think that's where it will eventually go, just it will be neutral and you just have it however you want it to be. 100%. And that's the right way. At the end of the day, we always talk about this in what we do as, as, as a job. You know, I don't talk about myself being a men's hair specialist. I, I'm, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just who I am. I just cut hair. You know, I cut anyone's hair. I don't care. You know, I don't, I've got no issue with doing anything. If I, could, if, I'm, if I have the ability to do it, then I do it. And if I don't, I want to know why I don't, and then I push myself to do it. And I think, there's a, I think that's a generic shift across lots of different things. Most, most big stores now, you go in, that if they sell clothes for everybody, don't have a male and female changing room anymore. It's, you know, and I think that's, the, you know, this is, we're, in this, we're in this now. Excuse me. We're in this now, and it's only going to increase, and it's only going to accelerate. So you've just got to go with it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So then with... Yeah, I think at the moment what we've done is everything is circular. You know, I remember when I was 15, 16, talking about the clothes I was wearing and my haircut, and my dad would hark back to, oh, you're wearing something that I, you know, and you'd just be horrified that, you, you know, that this is new, it's me, it's us, you know. I think what you've got at the moment is that there's been a real kind of heart back to the kind of 90s. There's a lot of really textured, a lot of work we're doing now is not short back and sides. We don't do short back and sides hardly at all. It's far more softer, it's length. There's a lot of guys growing their hair out. You know, there's a lot more, it's a lot more natural. You know, there's talk, a lot of talk and there has been on the catwalk as well for the last 18 months of the mullet coming back. Is it the stereotypical 80s mullet that my mates had and footballers had? No, it's not. It's, it's a, you know, it's shorter at the sides, longer at the back. You know, I just wrote a piece yesterday for GQ about Harry Styles' new haircut, which basically is an indie, an in, a soft indie textured 90s cut. You know, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's nothing new. It's just been reformed. So, I, I, you know, for me, I think there's, it's, it's more about being softer, longer, a lot more texture, yeah, and a version of the mullet is around big time. And that's where you see it continuing to go as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, guys growing their hair out has been a long... Guys growing their hair out has been a long, uh, a long process for a lot of them, and they're not going to be cutting their hair off in the short term. So, yeah, I do feel that... You know, don't get me wrong. There's loads of guys who've still got skin fades, short back and sides. My hair's short at the moment. I shaved it off over the summer. But, you know, I think there's, there's a shift and... and there will always be classics, you know, and, and now the skin fade pompadour is now is a classic. It's become part of, of, of what, you know, guys have had for ages. Same as beards, as guys who've invested so much time in big beards, they're not going to shave it off. Does that mean that it's right or wrong? No. What I'm saying is that I think there's a real shift away from that hard structured haircut, unless it's a really hard military haircut, which is the other extreme. It's either short, like, you know, grade two, three, you know, crew cuts with tapers, or it's longer and softer. And even when I mean softer, it doesn't even have to be that long to be soft. So yeah, it's just softer on the edges. 100%, the edges. 100%. And that's, I've, I've really enjoyed being in a shop and seeing that because even though the time from me working in different shops to this shop was, was very short, actually the difference in the type of clientele and different types of haircuts, straight away it was a lot softer. And it's, I think it's then who, whatever you're influenced by, 
then that changes who you influence. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And we're really lucky where we are in Soho because you see a lot. And you know, people say to me, oh, you know, when I go and pitch to a big brand about you know, what they should be doing that, that season for their hair, you know, for me it's a lot about just stuff I see or stuff I read or just visually what I take on board and, you know, and thinking about, okay, well, where does it need to move from here? How, does, how do we need to change this? You know, what's, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've been in the game a long time and I still have some relevance. You know, there's a lot of people at my age who, who don't get the opportunities I get and I'm spinning a lot of plates which is a, you know and I choose to do that but you know I'm still really passionate about it and I still you know I get a request to write an article or I get to do something for a magazine or a brand or something like that and I still go and I don't just go in there going yeah fine I just turn up and do what I do you know I put a lot of groundwork in I do a lot of mood boarding I think a lot about where they've been, where we're going, what the model choice is, you know, and, and that for me is really, really key. And that transfers back into the salon when we talk creatively around the team or we talk to even to a client, whether it's the first time or the 30th time I've cut his hair, what are we doing? Where do you want to go? How are we going to do this? Because t to me, it's, you know, it's what we have on our head is an extension of who we are. And it's, yes, you can change your haircut, but it's a lot harder to change your haircut than it is a shirt. You buy a bad shirt, you can leave it in the back of the wardrobe. You have a bad haircut, or it's not something you feel comfortable wearing, that's, that's a harder thing to deal with. So for me, I always focus on that. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it, whether it's a, you know, grooming for a celebrity client or doing a cover for GQ or you know, talking to Farrah about what they should be doing hair-wise or a client I've seen for 10 years. It's the same business. Same thing, same communication. So when you're talking about, say, doing the mood boards, yeah. is that for you, where are you getting your influences from? Are you actively looking for influences for that, or is it the influences are already upon you and then you're basically putting it onto the table? Correct, yeah, 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 it's more the latter. So I, I watch a lot of movies. I consume an awful amount of old films, um, and it could be, it could be something very cultish, something foreign language. It could be, uh, I watch a lot of early video, pop videos and just look for inspiration or um, I listen to a lot of music and, you know, I, I travel a lot. So I have a lot of downtime on planes and stuff like that. So I try to, to occupy that time. And I see things sometimes like I was watching, so I did a big, a big thing for a brand and we were talking about longer hair and softer and stuff like that. And I remembered a movie called The Warriors, which is, a, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Okay, you need to watch it. It's a, it's a, a 70s movie about uh, street gangs in New York um, and they're all different tribes and one of the street gangs gets accused of murdering somebody and they have to get across New York and fight all the other gangs. Super fucking cool. And all of the guys, I've got most some of the lead, the main guy has got really, really cool long hair with this like, like mad headband, and it just, I just triggered a memory. I was like, yeah, longer hair, and then, then I look for the archived images. I've got a few thousand images on a on a hard drive of anything I see. I just say, and I categorise them, and then I go back and look for them, and then I go, and then, then it will lead me somewhere else. So I have the thing in my head, and I know what I want it to look like. But sometimes communicating or articulating about it. I need a visual reference to do that. Mm. Communication is really tough, and over the years I've learned how to do it better and feel more comfortable doing it. But you know, standing up in front of a room full of creatives telling them about what direction they need their brand to go in, 
it helps if you have some visual reference points to bounce off of. And equally, I've got probably 50, 60 mood boards on my phone that I use in an app that, you know, sometimes someone will talk about a haircut and I can go, hang on, and I've got a reference point. You know, I always say to people, if you know what you want and you've got a vision or visual of it, bring it in. It gives me a start point. One of the biggest things we used to do years ago was before you know the whole digital content became so much more important, but we would get a magazine and a client said, I want my hair like, I don't know, Kate Moss. And you get a marker and scribble the face out so it's gone. And then all the client sees is the hair. You take away everything else around it. And it's really interesting. So for me, it's almost doing a reverse of that when I'm, when I'm looking for ideas and, and putting stuff together that I do have to find the visual content to be able to work backwards and talk from. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So I guess with that, then you would almost be a, a taste maker as opposed to trying to work out what the trends are going to be. You're almost setting the trend. You lead. Yeah, you have to lead. You look. I'm not saying that I'm the one who goes out there and makes the decisions on multiple brands, but you know, I, a lot of the brands I work for trust my call and my judgment on where it should go, and some of that is influenced by. Are they a high street brand? Are they a, 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 a high-end fashion brand? Is it a front cover of a magazine that's commercial? Is it a hair mag? Depending on what it is, you have to, you, you know, you, it's not one tool for all, all jobs. You have to have different tools in your toolbox to facilitate that, which is fine. People, when you've got as much time in the game as, as I have, that you tend to see a circular repetition about what goes on so you understand that stuff does come back around it changes and don't get me wrong i'm not saying that everything is totally totally circular but if you look at key key movements within fashion over the years and you look at key uh, key touch touch points there's a similarity you look at iceberg from last year you look at charlie cullen stuff that he did last year that arcs back to acid house of 89 uh, 90 you know, I can, I can find, you give me something now, I'll find, it, I'll find a linear line back to where that originated from. So everything has a, you know, there is a point where you run out of room to manoeuvre, but there's always the next step. And that's what's so fascinating about fashion and hair and stuff like that, is that you can push boundaries and change direction and, and mix it up. But fundamentally, you can sense if something is very clean and structured, the chances are it's gonna go unstructured. And then how far unstructured does it go? How far can you push that boundary? And that's what it's about. It's about not going, oh, it was that there, so let's do that. But looking at how can you transition? And it may transition over three or four or five seasons. It's not going to just go, right, long, short, short, long. It doesn't do that. So you have to find those missing gaps. And we're lucky around here. You see, you know, all the kids queuing up outside Palace and Supreme and outside Duke's Cupboard that are really cool, kind of really mindful of street fashion. And you can see where stuff's leaning that whole 90s thing's been kicking around you know for ages on that scene you know those guys have been wearing you know vintage stone and you know uh, all the other brands that they all love early nike and stuff like that they've been doing that for a couple of years so it's just been leading into you know curtains and middle partings and yeah that's all been building up but you just got to look for the signs that's the key is looking for the signs mm. Joe, that was absolutely fascinating today. Thank you so much. Pleasure, man. Anytime. Appreciate it. Anytime, man. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Take care, sir. Podcast, thank you for listening today. That is much appreciated. I've been looking at the metrics, and there's quite a lot of you that are listening, but there's not many of you that are subscribing or following. So 
If that's you, go now, click on subscribe, make sure you follow this account and make sure that you then leave a review. If you leave a review, that makes a big difference and makes me be able to then go and sort of produce more of these. So thank you for listening today. Much love. See you soon, Elliot.